Welcome to Series 1, Episode 8. This is an archive of live video Q&As streamed online. In this episode, I was joined by Paul Grindley from Winston Solicitors discussing employment law, furlough, redundancies, layoffs and short-time working. How will you exit furlough? Have you considered layoffs? Do you need to restructure? Have you thought about short-time working? What about holidays and annual leave? Should you force all employees to take some leave now? And have you ever been offered a settlement agreement? These were all the questions I put to Paul. Enjoy. Welcome to the Johnny Ross Audio Experience. I'm Johnny Ross, founder and digital marketing strategist of Fleet Marketing. Each podcast, I'll be bringing you an expert to inspire you, to give you some great business growth takeaways, and to get you thinking about marketing and the bigger picture of how businesses can improve, adapt, and grow. I look forward to sharing this with you on each podcast. So here we go. Hi, and welcome to another live Q&A. We are in the Coronavirus Yorkshire Business Support Group. Today, we've got Paul Grindley from Winston Solicitors. Delighted to have Paul. Paul, how are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, So uh, with all these live uh, Q&As, please do ask questions. uh, Comment in the the chat box for... um, uh, on the comments below, uh, asking uh, any questions you've got on employment law today. Uh, we're going to cover everything from furlough to redundancies to annual leave, all sorts of different things. Um, and uh, we're live streaming on uh, YouTube. You can subscribe there. And uh, we're live streaming, streaming on Facebook as well. So, Paul, uh, it would be good to just get a bit of background. Uh, what's your, uh, uh, tell us a bit about yourself and, and your role at, uh, at uh, Winston Solicitors. Um, I, I've been at Winston Solicitors for almost uh, what five and a half years now. I've been a solicitor for almost thirty years. Um, I'm uh, I'm from Manchester, the, the other side of the Pennines. I came to Leeds University back in the eighties, so I've been through uh, the decades in terms of work and leisure. I'm a bit of a runner, do weights, Man U fan, um, Belinda Carlisle, bit of rock. That's me. Should we cut the cut the uh, stream now that, that I've just found out you're a Man U fan? I, although I did know that. <laughs> how's uh, how's uh, how are they going to be affected with the uh, the whole football scenario right now? Oh, we're talking about football. I'm good. Um, well, for a moment, it's absolutely um, amazing, isn't it, that Liverpool could actually be denied a title having waited thirty years. Um, so that's that brings a smile to my face. Um, <laughs> And Leeds might not get promoted. <laughs> we'll be alienating half our half our listeners now. Although <laughs> it's, it's right, I'm a I'm a Liverpool fan, so it's even worse. Uh, no, so okay, so um, what's Paul? How's it been for you? For for you know, what is it? Six weeks we've been in lockdown now. What you know, yeah. it's odd times, isn't it? What's yeah? So I I wasn't um, I'm not the most tacky savvy or literate and. Um, I've been used to having people around me in an office to show me how to do things on screen or how to get this or that up or attach things. So it's been quite a a steep learning curve for me. And that's I've not been used to working at home. And when I have worked at home, it's tended to be just, you know, cabining up with a pile of documents to to be not disturbed. 
So I've looked at, I've decided to take half a day off to work from home to look at a document file, but not, not with a view to being in contact with anybody, to be deliberately not in contact with people. So, um, so my working from home has been very different before. And now, of course, it, it, everybody's all connected. So I, I found it quite difficult in the beginning, even even attaching leads to the right sockets for a printer and a scanner. And I get quite, uh, quite anxious and stressed when things don't work and I can't fix them myself. So I rely on, on others in the office to do that. And I, it's, it's very bad because I should have I should have been really set up for this before now. But I don't think I'm I don't think I'm in I'm, I don't think I'm in a too small a minority. Um, it doesn't matter how old you are either. But if I mean, if anything, I guess it's uh, upskilling us all. And uh, you know, from if we look at some of the positives, it's it's put you in a position where you've had to upskill a bit on the technical front, I guess, uh, and 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 opened up new ways of working potentially. Well, I, I've started to think that um, you know, when we return to some degree of normality, when we're back in the office, that lots of people, including myself, might might decide to choose a day or two a week to work from home have now got used to the systems and of course it, it, you, you know you save on traffic you save on on petrol you save on time um so once you are up and running i think i think it will work for a lot of people um a lot of people of course are working from home they've not got a full <coughs> they're, they're at a kitchen table they're in the back bedroom they're in the attic or whatever so it's not an office um and even things like you've got to bring the stapler home or paper clips or just very mundane things like that um it's quite frustrating and you can't just nip into the office to get something absolutely um, so it will change the view whether they have to be in the office um because for people like us who don't make things or you know don't cut people's hair or you know they're not dentists having to have people in front of you most of the time we don't need to be in an office and in front of people you know, physically. Yeah, so. no, to totally. So, so some of the topics that we're going to be covering today are um, around furlough, around uh, redundancies, around restructuring, uh, around um, annual holidays. Uh, we also need to think of the uh, employees as well. Um, a lot of your work uh, actually involves um, uh, uh, working on behalf of employees. That's around settlement agreements, is that right? Yes, most, most of the employee advice I give is to people who have been presented with a settlement agreement or have requested one and partly negotiated themselves and this is a document which requires them to have a solicitor who advises them on it and, and who is identified and signs off on the document and that can range from a simple sign off where they've said look I've agreed all this you need to sign it from people wanting me to step in to bat for them and negotiate and argue their case because they might be receiving a proposal they don't want to accept so it's very important to ensure at the outset look is this amicable or are you actually contesting this from you know from the start and and potentially what we are going to see is is a, a rise in um redundancy or settlement agreements over this period because we are going to we, we might not get into it right now but we're going to talk about how people how different businesses are, are using furlough uh, in different ways um so so there could be a, a bit of a rise right now um what i'm interested in is 
what you, you know you you talk to a lot of businesses you give a lot of employment law advice what are the the issues that you're tent that you're finding that people are asking you right now what's the what are the key things that people are wanting help with from from an employer perspective um the employer clients that i have and i've had some of these clients i've had for 20 years or more um they are very concerned about the immediate future when people are coming back from lockdown um some are already considering restructuring and despite the assistance of furlough from the government this job retention scheme they are still looking at the potential and actively now um embarking upon redundancy programs um, they're also concerned about the backlog of holiday accruals which will which will cause problems later in terms of you know having people in the office doing the work when everybody's accrued all this holiday because people at the moment may not want to go on or take holiday when they can't go anywhere um, and people that have got holidays booked want to cancel and of course they want to carry over employers will want to kind of flatline that to make sure that they have people in the office or they have people at work when they need them and that everybody everybody doesn't suddenly want to go on holiday so that that's that's caused a few problems because you cannot as a matter of law trade holiday for cash except on the termination of employment so you can't have somebody say well if, if i relinquish two weeks holiday can i be paid instead you, you can't do that you can't do it lawfully you can only pay in lieu of holidays accrued on termination of employment which seems in some ways unworkable and of course we haven't had this before so it's never been raised before because generally people want to take their holidays and they most people don't have enough holiday in their eyes to take well, at the moment it's they're storing up holidays just to remind everyone that's watching if you do have questions please do ask please put them in the chat if you're watching this on replay put a hashtag replay it'll be good to know um you just talked about holiday there and i just I, i'm not sure if i misunderstood or, or the question so um with regard to the uh you can't pay people to to relinquish their holidays that uh, am I, as an employer employer am i not able to if, if an employee doesn't want to take a week off i can't pay them to work that week is that not the case well, we, you, if they don't want to take their, their time off, if, they, if an employee for some reason doesn't use up all their holiday in, in a given holiday year, and let's take an example of a holiday a calendar year being January to December, um, you know, most people who work full time get, get five weeks holiday <clears throat> and plus bank holidays. So, so they get 25 days plus the eight bank holidays. If they don't take them all, they can't say, well, can I be paid instead? You know, can I can I can I trade in two weeks' holiday for extra pay? Because this is paid holiday anyway, so it's a lump sum on top of the holiday pay that they would have received whilst on holiday. So when somebody leaves their employment, if they leave on the thirtieth of June, so so halfway through that holiday year, and at which point they may have accrued twelve days, so it's approximately two days a month. If they've taken eight days, they're paid in lieu of the four. So they receive people on termination will receive a payment in lieu of holidays that have accrued but not been taken and that's the only time which they can be paid that in cash and it, uh, and even if the employer even if the employer agreed and wanted them to work would uh so so there couldn't be a mutual agreement between both employer and employee i suspect that there probably is in practice yeah um because if no one complains about anything 
then it never comes to the attention of, of a ruling authority. So there must yeah. be behind the scenes agreements which take place every day, whether yeah. they are lawfully binding or not. Interesting. But, yeah. I, I never, I actually never knew that myself. So, um, so, to, but with regard to the situation right now, with regard to holiday, the danger, I think, is what you're saying is that if, if, if when, when businesses open, or when they get busy again, the danger is that you've got members of staff that have accrued a lot of holiday and want to take the holiday. And so yeah. what you're talking about is that is is to consider either moving some of that holiday or to in some way uh, coming up with an agreement for, for staff, to, for employees to take some holiday during furlough. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, so, so to give you an example, um, the, the government announced about three or four weeks ago that they would allow employees would be permitted and they were entitled as of right to carry over up to four weeks holiday for the next two years now the interesting questions around that where they weren't able to take their holiday because of the coronavirus crisis but it's, it's weren't able not chose not to so you know, it, there may be arguments which rage in the future about whether somebody was able to, but they just chose not to. So, um, but businesses, we're, we're, you know, I've got clients looking at this now so that they're wanting to reach agreement now with their employees that, that in this holiday year, for example, they'll be able to carry over, for example, up to two weeks into next year, but any more than two weeks will be lost. Um, so and though and this will apply and it's whether you make a distinction between clients who are on furlough sorry employees who are on furlough and those who are not um so people on furlough are effectively on holiday aren't they because they're not they're being paid maybe at 80 percent but they're being paid to do nothing and it seems that, that, you know whether there's going to be furlough envy creeping in from their colleagues who are working who want to be given priority to take holidays when when the lockdown is lifted and um, because those on furlough could be told or asked, actually, whilst you're on furlough leave, we want you to take a week's holiday, um, which won't break their furlough period. The only thing it will change is their pay because the holiday pay has to be at their normal rate of pay. Um, so somebody sitting at home on furlough is suddenly asked to take a week's holiday. And they say, well, what's the point? I can't go anywhere. It makes no difference. But holiday accrues during furlough, of course. So when they come off furlough, and at the moment we don't know when furlough is going to end. Currently, it's ending at the end of June, but I suspect it will be it will be extended. Uh, so people who are on furlough are still accruing holidays. People who are working are accruing holidays. Those people who are working in the same business might think they should be given priority treatment for holiday requests when things go back to normal, whatever normal is. Um, and and we've, I've been devising policies with clients around that area and where we, employees are asking employees to agree that certain things will change. For example, carryover of holiday, uh, build up of holiday, making requests, cancelling holiday that's already been booked. Um, because if you're an employee that's booked two weeks holiday to go to Spain in July, you're not going to go. So you might want to cancel that. But cancelling your two weeks then gives you another another two weeks to take later in the year. Um, so um, and people will have the odd days booked, which isn't a problem. But it's when somebody's got their two week fortnight 
in the summer booked that they now want to cancel. Um, do you have any um you talked about him uh furlough envy there are there any practical tips that you've come across that uh to try and avoid that uh not not I, i've got a client who uh who's got two two members of staff who effectively job share one of them is on furlough the other one isn't the one who isn't has now got increased childcare and caring responsibilities because their partner is still working and they were they were they were asking their employer you know hang on why is why is tracy on furlough and i'm not um can we not rotate it um so because they're both being paid i think the employer is topping up in this situation so right. they're both being paid the same one is working the other one isn't so the one who is working is a bit envious of the one who isn't um, and why wouldn't you be some people of course take the opposite view that they would rather be occupied and busy and contributing and and if you're on a career path in your own mind that you might feel that if you're if you're not if you're carrying on working you're, you're more valued as an employee because that's what that, and that's why they want you working whereas the furloughed people might feel rightly or wrongly that they're not as needed as others so I think the furloughed people need to be cosseted and nurtured and made to made aware that they are still valued employees and they will still be needed at some stage in the future. But will they? Yeah, well, that's the question, isn't it? And, and I, th I think you make a very, a very yeah. valid point around uh, uh, trying to ensure that you uh, get across that you that you how much you value your employees that are furloughed, because I, I can only imagine that they really will be feeling quite anxious about whether they've you know whether they are valued and whether their job secure yeah i mean we we have uh we have a number of furloughed employees and we ensure that they are invited and kept kept up to date receive emails of course one of the issues about furloughs is you're not you're not allowed to do any work so you couldn't really be logging on there's, there's, it's a very very difficult area this but you're not allowed to do any work which produces revenue for the employer or provides a service so a furloughed employee is not logging on uh, so therefore you need to make sure as an employer that you have a personal email address to keep them up to date with things yeah and invite them to zoom meetings invite them to to sessions any any social uh, events that are organized through work which uh, which are online of course now involve everybody whether furloughed or not um, and the longer people are on furlough you know there's this the adage out of sight out of mind uh so they need to be visible and i suppose keep keep uh, keep involved yeah the um uh, just a a last question from me on uh annual leave um so if i'm a business that uh is not seeing that sales are going to be suddenly coming in when lockdown is over and i think there's a lot of sectors and industries unfortunately in that position so if i don't feel that there's going to be lots of sales coming um in some way would i be better uh, not to push for holiday because if i was to push for holiday it would cost me an extra 20 percent um and if i don't think i'm going to need my staff then i'd be better having some of that holiday available later and it would save me the 20% extra. Am I right with thinking about that way? Uh, you might need to do some number crunching because the, 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 the top up, if, if you pay them holiday pay, you've got to pay, they're, they're entitled to the normal rate of pay on holidays. 
So if you're not topping up, if you if you're sticking at eighty percent or the cap um, on furlough, then if you if you require people to take holidays, you've got to pay them at their full rate. So okay, but if you don't and you think, well, I'll I'll save that twenty percent, staff then accrue their holidays, and if you then unfortunately later on have to make redundancies or have to terminate you will have to pay that holiday at the end of their employment because you have to pay in lieu of accrued holidays not taken so and that will be their full rate of pay so there isn't really um there isn't really a, there may be if you do i don't know so you might create an algorithm to uh to 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 calculate what is the optimum time to uh, to terminate or not not grant holidays but um um but you have to pay it one way or the other so if there's a if award it one way or the other so if there's any thought of a potential redundancy with someone uh then that's where you would consider holiday more if you if you're sort of adamant that you won't be making a redundancy but you just you know think you'll need you won't need them quite as much then then that would be a way of potentially saving 20 percent. yes i suppose um yeah one of the okay. other uh, interesting issues about around furlough is is long-term absentees on long-term sick because um i've had a client who had somebody off on long-term sick and that person had exhausted their contractual or occupational sick pay they'd gone on to ssp or, or disability and that person was saying well can i now come notionally come back to work and be placed on furlough because that way they would get 80 percent as opposed to their SSP or their, their disability benefit. Wow. And, and the employer, of course, could agree to that um, because the government reimburses the employer. Um, so there, there, are, there are ways and means of, of exploiting furlough. Wow. Um, but, um, you know, you, you have, for example, somebody on maternity leave who has exhausted their... So on maternity leave, you get normally statutory schemes, you get 90%, six weeks at 90%, and then... 39 weeks at SS, SNP rate um, and if you want that you might however choose to return early so you notionally say I want to come back early and just put me on furlough <laughs> so an early maternity from maternity leave can go on furlough Makes. and receive more pay than they would have been at their SNP rate but the catch is that once they've gone back they can't back. go on again. yeah <laughs> Yeah, but if, and and of course, if furlough ends, yeah. then they're, they're scuppered. Yeah. Um, but interesting. Not had anyone so, yet. <laughs> so um, uh, you talked about um, how you can use furlough in different ways, and and uh, one of the big topics that I think. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, some of the businesses that you've been talking to uh, are around restructuring and redundancy. And 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 are we correct in saying that you can use furlough as part of the uh, notice period for redundancy? Yes, so th there is no... So when, when somebody's on furlough leave, their employment is continuing as normal. The only change is that the government is effectively reimbursing the employer under this grant scheme. So if you have... X number of staff on furlough, uh, and some businesses don't forget have got pretty much all their staff on furlough. So if you're a restaurant or or, or a business which suddenly stops manufacturing, stops producing, you know the factory is shut down. All of your staff are on furlough, bar a couple of admin people, for example, or in IT or accounts. 
So um, if you're then looking at restructuring and you decide as an employer that you're not going to need them all in the future, then you start to select and redundancy selection processes are a different topic all on their own, but you select, you consult. If you then identify those that you wish to make redundant and they're entitled to their periods of notice, then of course that notice period can be whilst they're on furlough. And I have a client now at the moment who is utilising the period between now and the end of June, which is the end of the current furlough, the current expiry date for furlough, is using the period between now and the end of June to pay out the notice periods or, or using the 80% to pay out their notice periods for redundancy. Um, what, what, they, what they may do, he said, is that if furlough is extended further, he may even decide to tell the employees, actually, we'll extend your termination date. We're still making you redundant, but we'll extend your termination date because the government has extended furlough. So whilst furlough is in existence, we may as well just have these employees continue their employment, albeit under notice of termination. And you can absolutely, right, wow. There's no reason why you can't do that, um, that, that, that I can think of. And, and the government scheme, although there have been several iterations of, of the guidance, um, it doesn't change the general rules of employment law. So if you make someone redundant, generally, you might decide to give them more notice than they're entitled to. And so if you have a scheme which pays you or reimburses you 80% and you feel sorry for the employees that you're having to let go or terminate, then why not use that scheme to give them some more money? Yeah, no, that that makes sense. We In previous uh, conversations, we've, we've talked about some of your uh, clients obviously not going into into too much detail um but you there was a, a, a client with a couple of holiday parks um that were uh, yeah. anticipating massive reductions what was what was the some of the assistance you've been talking well, about there? They, they um they they have a couple of holiday parks um but they also manufacture and install log cabins for other parks and so they have two arms to the business and of course they're concerned that that people uh, that, that those parks may not reopen that they may be closed for a longer period than other businesses so their their summer bookings are effectively obliterated and people that don't tend to go to these places in the winter or there's a reduced booking yeah, yeah. So they're, they're already looking at reduced numbers um, I've got another client who supplies and uh, uh, parts and fits out coaches and essentially um, services coaches. Now the, the holiday industry, the coaching industry, people aren't going to be piling onto coaches for some time to come. So they're, they're, they're seriously worried that their order book is going to be massively reduced. Um, so the, the leisure industry and the holiday sector um, is, is going to be particularly hard hit. Um, so, so some of the methods that can be used uh correct me if i'm wrong so the the, the, the there are alternatives to redundancy and and uh you don't uh, you might be able to put something in place before you you got to that so there's things like uh correct me if i'm i'm right there's things like um reductions in pay there's uh short time uh working varied tnc's what just yes. talk us through some of those those things so that we've yeah, got so it is it is interesting this because with um 
what you cannot do is do you cannot do a combination of furlough and short time working so for example people who you either use furlough or you don't so if you don't use furlough what you can of course do and it requires consent to change terms and conditions so you might decide that you want people to go part-time or short-time and pay them accordingly and that requires careful handling because you're then saying to the employees we don't require you all of the time we require you to reduce your hours so we'll pay you accordingly so that's a reduction in pay for the employee and of course they might agree to it or they might agree to have deferred pay so they're not being paid now but it's being stored up for later and that's dangerous for the employer because they, they won't necessarily know if they can afford to pay that deferred salary at some later date so deferred pay is, is not is not too too clever in, in many ways because it, it requires careful handling so if somebody going on short time or part time has a reduction in pay now if you're an employee you might agree to that but my advice would be you agree to it for a limited period and then a review and it reverts back unless you agree for it to continue because otherwise you agree to go on short time or reduced pay and you can't get back again because the employer doesn't agree to put you back and once you've agreed a variation then it's fixed until the parties agree to unfix it and the employer might decide not to unfix it so as an employee you're then you're on reduced salary for you know for, from now on and 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 i i uh yeah i understand that you can't um uh, mix and match and do it with furlough but um you could do it uh coming out of furlough if the, if you've still not got the business and the volume yes, and the... i think if, if the furlough scheme is ended um or is reduced in some capacity because it may of course you know we, it's currently 80 percent or a cap of two and a half thousand it might reduce who knows so employers might decide if they can't if they don't have a safety net of furlough or something similar to to look at reduced hours uh short time working and also use layoff which is a statutory scheme which isn't it, it's not that common now but a layoff scheme uh is where the employer says to that it's not it's it's almost um, a halfway house to redundancy so it's a temporary measure to combat uh reductions in workloads and 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 you know customer requirements so you ask employees to stay at home uh, you pay them a guarantee rate which is a very small amount and but, it's, but it can only be used for a certain limited period so four weeks or six in 13 weeks for example and at the end of that period an employee can say i'm not agreeing to be laid off any further i now want a redundancy payment uh, and, and they have to consent in the first place to lay off it, it's, it's not that common anymore it used to be um but it so, may come back into its own. so so i mean just from a layman's point of view um the 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 potential scenarios because i think that what businesses need to do is do some scenario planning and think about you know well okay if this happens this is what we could do if this happens this is what we could do um the sort of t the the couple of potential things in my mind are that if i um i'm reasonably sure that i'm not going to be making redundancies uh, but at the same time i know that i'm not going to have lots of, of business one method, I guess, would be furlough, then layoff, then short time working, and then I've got to start employing them normally. Um, alternatively, uh, if I think redundancies are, are going to happen, the sooner I do that, the better, because I can use furlough to for some of the notice period. Does does that 
from my point of view does that sound yes yes the other, the other thing you need to be as an employee you have to keep an eye on is is, is the clock of continuous service because once somebody hits two years service so it's technically one year 51 weeks they acquire the right rights for unfair dismissal so if you're a business looking at redundancy and you've got 10 staff for example 10, 10 machine operators and you you identify that you need you need to have seven of them going forward so you're choosing three from 10 for example you might draw up a list of selection criteria and score people on a matrix and everyone who those who the lowest scores are then at risk and of course no one wants to come out bottom so the person with the lowest scores will always complain if you decide that you've got three or four people with less than two years service and they are the people you might want to lose then you can select them automatically because they don't qualify to bring a claim so if you've got people approaching two years and you've got one eye on the next three months and you're thinking about making redundancies you may as well capitalize if you like on the fact that if you select those people with under two years then you're reducing your liability exposure for unfair dismissal claims one 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 warning there is that you need to make sure that there is no suggestion that they have been selected for other reasons which might be discriminatory so sex race disability age etc and also part-time employees because part-timers have legislation which protects them from from treatment which is less favorable because they are part-time and i, I had a life i had a client yesterday that that wants to make a lady redundant in their organization and he said to me well she's she's managed to negotiate these hours for herself with the last factory manager who's now gone i never liked it anyway i want i want full-time people i'm going to make her redundant because she's the only part-timer and i said you cannot mention that she's part-time because that is blatant breach of the part-time is less favorable treatment regulation so you need to be very careful about the way you treat different categories of employees but generally the two-year rule is is pretty much entrenched in employment law um so you might have a clock you might have an eye on the calendar you talked about um uh redundancy uh, i can't remember the word you use selection or or, or the criteria etc unfortunately and i'm sure you must see this day in day out um a lot of businesses haven't had the hr and the employment law uh uh things in place uh for many years um don't do regular one-to-ones and 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 uh, an objective setting and 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 uh and all sorts of, of different things so if you're in a position where you've got you know let's say five ten staff um and they've all served more than two years how how does the whole redundancy selection work when you've not got any evidence at all <laughs> well so you have um i mean you can use um you should you should set up a, a number of criteria which are meant to be objective and and capable of measurement and some 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 with some degree of of accuracy so you might for example in the old days you had lifo which is last in first out so you might choose those with who, who were last in and that is completely object objective um doesn't always leave you with the staff that you want to be left with um so that, that that's very rudimentary so you may have uh, you may then start to use uh, absentee 
records, so absenteeism, sickness records, um, timekeeping, if people clock in and out, you may want to use, you, you may use disciplinary records. You then, if you then start, you may, you may have qualifications or skill sets. Um, you may be able to measure output from people in, in certain organizations. So you can, you can test how productive, how efficient people are. But you're right that sometimes you may have no records or audit trails of what people are doing, how they've been measured. And you then you run into the realms of, of subjective, subjective assessment. Well, you know, Marie's better than Hillary at doing this. Well, how do you know she is? Well, I just think she's just, she's just, she just gives me less problems. Or, you know, John in accounts takes longer than, than Simon to do the, to do the monthly returns. He just does. So he's not as efficient. Well, how, when you set this out to the employees and they object, you don't have the backup. So those employees are, are, are the, are going to face some, some difficult challenges because an employment tribunal, if you get to one, will require employ employers to have used a system which is transparent and fair and open to some level of scrutiny. Well, uh, sorry, go on. No, typically when you have a, so you, you have a scoring matrix, so you set up a number of, I've done a couple of these last week with clients, so you set up, you've got five or six categories, um, criteria, they're scored by a line manager and they might be scored by another manager and the scores are then aggregated. And that, that, that avoids allegations of bias. Well, he, he never liked me anyway. So he scored me low for that. And I don't agree or, and, and one thing to avoid things like attitude um, and flexibility, because somebody might be less flexible because they have caring responsibilities or childcare responsibilities, which is then a form of discrimination. Yeah. So you need to be very careful about the, the, the criteria that you choose. Um, but somebody is somebody is scored, you know, at the bottom of the pile. They will automatically want to the self-preservation kicks in, want to argue that they should have got a higher score, and they might want to see the scores of others. So they get their own score, but not necessarily the scores of everybody else because that's confidential. So you have these arguments as well as to what extent you send them. Everybody, everybody gets everybody's scores. Whether you send a chart which is anonymized A B C D E F, and your F at the bottom, so you're selected. You want to know who's above you. You also want to know how many points you need to get to go above the threshold to be saved. Wow. <laughs> Interestingly, you brought up uh, last in, first out. So, uh, so that's good to know that you can use things like that. Can you can you use um, salaries? So, for example, uh, if if Joe has a lower salary, it's therefore going to cost me less on redundancy. Is that a, a, a fair argument or not? I think you, you can in, in a in a sophisticated way. So, you, because you might decide, for example, that somebody has become too expensive, and that somebody else who is paid less can do the same job. And so, what you that what you can do in those situations is have a restructure, and invite them both to apply for another position. So you you sometimes have reverse selection. So you 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 say to the the affected pool of candidates or employees. We're going to restructure. There are five positions. There are five of you at the moment. We only need three of you. So you can all apply for these three new jobs. And these are going to be the, the salaries and the terms and conditions. So you can have an element of that. Um, that. That can also be extended to allow for external candidates to apply for those jobs as well. 
so you you're yeah. allowed to pick the best person for those new jobs or the, the jobs in the new regime from your existing workforce and also from external candidates who you may wish to recruit and i've had examples of that where it's been very difficult for someone to swallow that they've been doing this job for the last five years without any real complaints or hiccups the job in the, the restructured job it, it looks the same it feels the same but it's got a different title why can't i now do it as well as i've been doing and why can somebody else who comes in do it better than me when they've not even been doing the job anyway um yeah. so salaries might might be an issue and you might want to say you might say to somebody well we can't afford to pay you this anymore this is the new this is the proposal uh we can reduce your salary um or we can reduce your hours or you know another an option is is, is redundancy or you might decide to have what's called a protective conversation with somebody which is without prejudice and offer them a settlement agreement to go and if they choose it that's fine if they don't and you and you ultimately select them for redundancy they cannot then adduce evidence of the the, the offer behind the scenes without prejudice you you've got a uh, quite a wide range mix of clients haven't you um just give us some uh, uh, examples just so we can get into the mindset of the type of clients that you serve uh, i think it's quite wide is it not yeah so i i've got clients who i've got retailers with 70 or 80 shops um i've got manufacturing clients so i've got a client who who manufactures and fits out pubs and signage for pubs and restaurants um I've got clients who fit out high-end kitchens and fireplaces, um, IT clients, clients who, I've got a client in London who is a big organiser of events and exhibitions. And of course, they are struggling because everything's being cancelled and postponed. So they organise events, you know, with, with huge numbers of people attending and huge teams behind the scenes setting up stages, setting up exhibition centres, not just in the UK, but abroad. And so that they, they've really had to um, look at things very carefully and they've furloughed most of their staff. Um, so, and I've got small clients who run, you know, a business with two or three staff, um, where the directors are also heavily involved in the business on a day-to-day -day basis, but they have a very small number of staff and they use a lot of contractors. So they have people they engage as contractors, not employees. And But I'm, I'm guessing you also have small businesses where they don't even have contractors as well. Yes, yes. yeah. So you just simply have uh, five or six employees within a business. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, it, uh, this has been really, really helpful. Um, and uh, I think we've covered a lot of topics. I'm not sure, I, I'm not sure if uh, there was anything we missed. I think we, we covered... Uh, we covered it all um is there um uh, any any final point you want to get across you know if i'm if an, if i'm a business what's the is, is there uh something that I, sh I should definitely have in place or something i should thought of, of or or what's the the tip on on trying to plan for this stronger recovery and and, and being in a safer place any any final words I of think, wisdom um, I, I think that if you if you're an employer um you have to remember that the biggest resource you have is your staff and they also they have the capacity to bring to drag you out of the mire or pull you down into it um and you know you, you get the there's a, somebody told me a story once about um 
about you know it, what is it time to is it time to get to, to for someone to get off the bus um or we're all on the coach together going to the seaside or are we actually going down a tunnel is the light at the end of the tunnel or is that light the on the headline from an oncoming train who do you want with you in that situation um and you know people go to work for various reasons um it depends on your philosophy some people go to work to mix and a lot of people are struggling working at home because they like being at work amongst people and i'm, I'm one of those i'm not particularly a fan of being at home alone um but um i think if you're an employer you need to be having staff on side because the last thing you want when you're trying to get the business back on its feet is staff who are disgruntled and have felt disaffected by the way they've been treated whilst in lockdown or on furlough um but it might be time for a clear out some employers may be thinking well this has given me the opportunity to see who's really pulling in the right direction who's actually stepped up to the plate and who do i want back with me when things are on the up again it's yeah. a it's it's a, it's an opportunity isn't it it really is um paul if we wanted to find out more uh, to speak to you uh, to get a bit more advice uh, to engage you how would we find you uh, you, you can contact me by mobile 07932173666. Email is paulg at winstonsolicitors.co.uk. Um, ring the office, um, ring, ring my mobile, email me. And the, and the main website is winstonsolicitors.co.uk and you'll be under the employment law tab, I assume. Yeah. Uh, Yes, brilliant. Uh, it's it's been really really helpful uh, for those that have watched, and if it's been helpful, please uh, comment or or like or share. We'll be doing some more live Q and As. I know Nikki's got some coming up next week. Uh, I've got another one coming up uh, as well. Um, and uh, if you're not in the uh, Facebook group, it's the Coronavirus Yorkshire Business Support Group. Uh, thanks so much, Paul. Uh, let you say goodbye. Um, right. um, and and. Uh, um it's it's uh yes it's been it's been interesting to talk to somebody from from a different perspective and share some stories as well so. yeah it's been really helpful thank you i really appreciate it uh, so it's bye from us and we will see you next time uh, and uh, stay safe and good luck you've been listening to the johnny ross audio experience thanks so much for joining me if you want to continue the conversation head over to my website fleek.marketing or find me on linkedin that's all for today. Please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, tag me in your social media posts, and please leave me a review on iTunes. It will make a huge difference for me. I will see you soon. Bye.